Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Odyssey House Journals. I'm Randall Carlisle. My co-host is Rachel Santizo, and we have a detective here who came to arrest both of us. And we'll we'll yes. we'll bring that up. God, How did you find out what we were doing? Anyway, we'll we'll introduce him in a second. We got some new analytics, and you know we always talk about people around the world uh, watching and listening to this podcast. Yeah. And, I, and we wanted to specifically check out the war, the countries involved in the war. And it's amazing. I figured there'd be nobody because they're worried about things more important than a podcast. Right. And we have eight. And last week we had 85 listeners or viewers in Russia and 23 in Ukraine. Oh, my heart goes out of, to Ukraine. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. So. I love Ukraine. And, and so Rachel has a boyfriend named Igor in Russia who watches all the time. So it's Igor, true. the offer's still there. You know, <laughs> We're waiting. Yeah, you know, a <laughs> bottle of really high quality vodka, not that bad Russian vodka. Uh, if, you, if you come over or, or maybe even if you just uh, email us or, or text us or something, right? Right. Absolutely, Igor. Still waiting. So the guy who came to arrest us is, <laughs> did you bring your cuffs? I know. Where are they? They are in the car. Well, oh, this is going to be interesting. He's not taking this yeah. very seriously. No, no, we're, <laughs> like, we're not doing so well this morning. <laughs> D- Detective Archie Beck from Unified Police. And the reason we have him on, and, and hats off to, to you, Detective, and the, mm-hmm. and the group you're working with, uh, a lot of people, you know, this is a podcast about addiction and recovery. And, and a lot of people who are in recovery or still in addiction uh, have run-ins with the law. Mm-hmm. And if somebody's amped up on meth or, or if somebody's having a mental health crisis, you guys are frequently called out. And frequently, it can be a bad resolution to the intervention. But... And, and then it gets highly publicized, and you guys look like crap, okay? You say, oh, my God, somebody who was high on meth, and they shot him or something. But you guys have formed this committee working with community partners to deal with intervention in terms of a mental health crisis or maybe a substance use crisis. Tell us about that. I think it's, it, it's, it's, a lo- it's long overdue, but we're finally doing it. Tell us about it. So I'm part of the mental health unit. It's under the Unified Police Department of Greater Salt Lake. Um, We're under the uh, Investigations Division, and we um, have a full-time supervisor, program manager, uh, Jolene Sampson, Jody Sampson. Um, We have a full-time social worker that also works with us. He's from the University of Utah's I just changed the name from Huntsman UD. Mental yes, Health thank you. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes. So he, we actually have him uh, on our staff. Um, we pay for him. Um, and so what, what the model is, it was uh, modeled under uh, Los Angeles, their mental health unit, uh, which has been around for uh, at least a decade or more. And it's a co-response model. So we have Myself as a detective or law enforcement officer, and then we have the social worker, um, his name's Ken Martinez, and we respond as a, as a team to go to crisis. Um, we also do case management, which is unique um, to what we do. We, we not only just deal with the crisis at hand when we get called, uh, when people don't know how to take it anymore, or they do have a mental illness crisis, but it's also complicated with 
uh, drugs. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so we follow up with these individuals. It's an informal um, meeting. They're not required to do it. They don't. They're not required to meet with us and follow on uh, uh, visits with us. But we do it. Um, and so what we did is we had to because of the volume of of crisis calls and case management, it was expanded to the rest of Unified, so our cities that and communities that are part of uh, Unified. So we have a secondary officer or detective in each one of those precincts or uh, cities. But even that is a couple times a month on the visit or the or that they're involved in the co-response with the social worker. Again, we only have one social worker. We, we farm him out and... But He's a he, busy man. He is. Yeah. He is. And it, it only goes so far. Um, we know that the crisis doesn't happen, you know, at night. or <laughs> It's going to happen at 9 o'clock yeah. tonight, so you exactly. can plan yeah. on it. Yes. Yeah. So we, we can't always forecast that. So we, we try to be available, um, but we're limited um, to our response. Then we rely on patrol officers to do that, and then we can be called uh, we can respond if needed after hours, but again, it's limited. Um, we saw the need that, again, it's not just happening in Mill Creek or Kearns or Magna, which are the areas that we serve with Unified Police. So what we did is we had to expand it, and so we got uh, um, cities and police departments involved. So we have Cottonwood Heights, we have South Salt Lake, Murray, Sandy, and Draper. So we have five uh, cities on top of the cities that we um, serve. And, again, we have the one social worker that <laughs> a couple times a month we, we cut him goes, into out. 10 goes out with each one. Yes. And so, again, we're very limited. We're doing what we can. And, and a lot of that metro model, and that's what we call it, the metro uh, mental health unit, is because they don't always stay in one area. They don't just stay right. in the Mill Creek area. They just don't stay in South Salt Lake, even at, though we have the shelters. Every day we read about people going on chases, and it involves five different cities, yes. right? Yeah, and it may have started in South Salt Lake, yeah. or it may have started in West Valley, but it comes through, and these individuals, we, we deal with them on a, on a constant basis. And so what, we, we can't do it alone, and that's the bottom line here is, is it— Law enforcement, we're out there for public safety, we're out there for law enforcement, but we're interacting with these individuals. They're calling us when they're in crisis. Families are calling us in crisis, uh, when they're in crisis. And we weren't equipped with the tools, and so we have the crisis intervention program. That's additional training, but we had to get our, our officers additional tools, and so that's, that's what we are. They're kind of the get there quick, and then we'll come in behind and start working it from there so the patrol officers can get back on the road for other emergencies. Okay. Let's, take, let's take a situation. I mean, just describe one where you have some kind of crisis situation that could result in officers shooting someone but doesn't necessarily have to. You guys come in. What do you, how do you try to defuse a situation? I, I mean, Maybe it's somebody who's having a mental health crisis exacerbated by something like meth. Mm-hmm. How do you diffuse that? What do you do? Oh, that, that's hard because each situation seems it's to different, be different. Right. Yes. Um, so I'll give an example of, of Mill Creek um, that happened, geez, probably in the fall. Um, the individual was a combat veteran. 
He was also diagnosed as being schizophrenic. Okay. He was not taking his medicine, and for about three days he had been awake. Um, and he was just getting more more amped up, more frustrated. And finally, his mom, uh, who he lives with, was unable to continue to deal with it. Again, it was three days. He, during the night, he had made a makeshift sword out of wood, and yeah. he was going around whacking things in the house, outside the house. She finally locked him out because of how violent he was being. She felt that she was in danger or started to be in danger. And so she finally called us because after six, you know, about seven o'clock, the kids are starting to walk to school past her house. And so that concerned her. So we get called, the officers, the patrol officers get there and they see that, okay, he's not acting normal. Um, That's not right. But if we try to take him into custody, all we're going to do is is make it worse. He may get hurt. Our officers may get hurt. Um, again, we don't want to escalate this. So they waited, um, and time was on our side on this one, even though the kids were going to be going to school, but time was on our side. So I just happened to be uh, heading to work a little bit early that day, heard what was going on, and so I went up there. And working with the officers who had already built somewhat of a rapport because there was a um, another veteran that was one of our officers who could try to connect with him and then when I showed up I started to build a rapport and I'm also a, a, a veteran of the military and we got him to sit down we kind of corralled him got him to sit down and then I just built a, a more I just kept working on the rapport and I was able to go in and actually put my hand on his on his shoulder, mm. the officer that had started building the rapport before me put his hand on the other shoulder, and we just told him, hey, we're not going to hurt you. Continue to, like, soothe him, if you will, and told him that we were going to place him in handcuffs, and we did, and we were finally able to use uh, 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 interventions through the, uh, the fire, and they gave him a sedative and got him to the hospital. So... That's what we do. It doesn't always end up like that. You know, even during this time, he said if we come towards him, if we touch him, he will fight us. Um, I didn't, but I really didn't think during this time that that was the resolution we were going to get. Yeah. And so that's what we do is just use time, use distance, um, try to keep these individuals calm, try to calm them. But sometimes we don't always get that result. You know, yesterday in Kearns, um, an individual who's schizoaffective, wasn't taking his medications and he is a drug uh, user Mm. um i don't know if he was under the influence of of a drug during this time but he was in crisis he was out in the street uh saying all kinds of things and again he had been up for four or five days and unfortunately that situation didn't end like this one in mill creek this one ended up where we had to actually go hands-on because he got violent with us and we got an officer that was hurt during this yeah. So, again, you got one yeah. situation, but we got another where it doesn't end up with the quite uh, the peaceful resolution. And we understand that, but we try to mitigate what we do, um, the impact. It just my opinion because I was there. It could have been worse for this individual, but I mean, other than a scrape on his knee, that's all he got. We got into the hospital. We started to get the the treatment uh, uh, that he needed to calm him down for that time. But what we're going to do is go visit him after this and 
try to get him to continue to take his medication. It, so. It's such a fine line, I, and I empathize. I, I empathize because we work with, you know, a treatment center dealing with people who deal with addiction, whose whose minds are obviously not in the right place. With they have a run in with you, uh, but on the other side of the fence, you guys have to worry about your own safety and health. And so it's such a fine line to, you know, uh, every time you read about a police shooting or. Mm. Or, or something like that. There's always two sides to the issue. Yes. Uh, and that, that must be a really tough thing. To, do I shoot someone? Do I shoot a stun gun? Do I, what do I do uh, right. to keep myself safe? I mean, you make those decisions at, in split seconds. Yes. And so it's, it's hard to sit back and um, see just what the news sees. Because yeah. it is very dimensional. Even right. for us as officers, we review so we can learn from others' right. uh, encounters. And even we can sit back and go, okay, I would have done this different. I would have done this different. Maybe there would have been a different result. But we don't know because we're not there at the time. Monday morning quarterback yes. is a lot Absolutely, easier. yeah. So it, so it feels to me like it, it's a different type of approach and perspective. So going out there and instead of um, using the the incarceration, just putting people in handcuffs, you're going in with a different approach to offer different options, resources for individuals that are struggling. Yes, yeah, so part of this committee or roundtable that we call it, yeah. um, we bring in a lot of partners. So we have adult protective services from the state, um, uh, Division of Child and Family Services, DCFS. Okay. Odyssey has been invited. Yes, o- Odyssey. Invited. Yes, they're, yeah. they're one of our partners that have been around for yeah. quite a while um, with our roundtable. And so we use all of these partners to help uh, come up with a solution. Because again, law enforcement, we're involved with this, but yeah. we're not the experts on this. You all are. And so we've got to have these partnerships. We've got to have... Um, a conduit to bring everybody together. And so that's what we've done with this, uh, the round table and the, the mental health unit, because again, we can't do it alone. Um, one thing we're finding out is, is Odyssey House, for example, is uh, has a lot of resources, right. mm-hmm. not only for the addiction, but the mental health side. Mm-hmm. Um, getting people there isn't always easy. Right. <laughs> um, but, yeah. you know, <clears throat> building that link um, really is helpful. And so we can go in and talk to people and say, hey, have you ever been to Odyssey House? Have you ever been to anywhere else? You know, what works for you? Where can we get you back there? Sometimes it's a, a medical uh, health issue where they don't have the money. So they don't have the insurance. So we also try to find funding sources or organizations that don't charge. And so we can get them into treatment. Or we'll actually help them with the, the process to get Medicaid and Medicare so yeah. they can have the insurance for places like Odyssey House. You know, what strikes me is, is uh, looking, well, I worked in news for a long time and, and now I'm working at Odyssey House. And it, it strikes me that, that law enforcement is, is changing drastically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the image people have of law enforcement. Mm-hmm. You guys are coming in with guns and handcuffs and stuff like that, right. but actually you don't want to use that gun, No, right? right? No, no, we, we don't want to use it. Um, and again, that's when I, even trying to get officers to understand this is, is 
use time and use distance on your side. Yeah, be ready to go to one of your tools, whether that's a lethal, if, if ultimately it comes to that, but we also have the non-lethal options, right. um, pepper spray, um, taser. We've got several in our, on our tool belt, but we don't want to. Um, if we can resolve it by using our minds, that's what we want to do. And that's what we want to talk to our officers and we train them constantly is, is to use your mind, use, talk to them, try to get down on their level, even though you, you may not understand what they're going through. Cause in a lot of cases we don't, but we have family members, we're doing deal, uh, working with these people, interacting with these people constantly. So we, that's what we do. Try, try to get them to not go to those tools unless they absolutely have to. Well, it's so interesting because when, when I would use meth and I'd be up for days, we'd call them shadow people. Um, and I'd feel like people were after me and out to get me. And so I would feel that way. I'd feel like I was set up and that law was um, after me. But at the same time, I also wanted to just feel protected and heard like someone wanted to protect me at the same time. So I can see all angles of it. But I also see like what you're wearing right now. And I see the mental health and I see like how it's more inviting than a uniform. So if you were to approach me and just take the time to just um, speak to me, that would make a, a world of difference than coming at me. So I really like this approach. And um, are you guys looking to expand yes, the round table? Yes, so we, we are always uh, willing to have anybody uh, part of this, this team that can yeah. help us with because everybody's a resource yeah. Uh, yeah. you know it was just a, about a month ago i found that there are a lot of, of organizations that get grant money throughout the salt lake valley that yeah. are funded by the federal government they can take free uh, clients and that was another resource that we didn't know we had but yes we're we're always looking for partners yeah. uh, private public um, anybody that is part of the mental health or behavioral health uh, services. Yeah, I mean, this is just such a beautiful idea. And yeah, I saw the invitation it. months ago, and, and, yeah. and I responded, and, and one of our team goes to the meetings. What are they, monthly meetings? Or? Yes, so yeah. it's the first Thursday of each month. Yeah. Um, we've been having it at the sheriff's office there in South Salt Lake, um, but we like to also go out in our community partners so they can host the meeting, and right. we just uh, have everybody come there. So they can feel more of like they're part of the team. You know, what would be so difficult is, and you can relate, you were just talking about the shadow people. Yeah. And I can relate to when I was drunk, blackout drunk. Yeah. Is you, you're not thinking logically. You're not mm -hmm. making any sense. Uh, and you guys come in sober, uh, asked to intervene in a situation that obviously has escalated to a point where you're called in and, and it's so hard to deal with somebody who's not making any sense and you're thinking logically and you have to come together somehow. What we try not to do, and that's the authoritative, again, going yeah. back to like a uniform. Hey, you. Yes. Yeah. you on drugs, you screwed you, up. You just, yes, yeah, and so exactly. we, we try to bring it down a level and even like you noted my, my uniform, this is what we try to wear as a softer yeah. A, a uniform to this and so we we got to have the same kind of attitude not only in our our what we're wearing mm -hmm. but how we go in now is there times where we are going to have to be authoritative oh, yeah. um, direct and have to take care of the situation yes Absolutely. but at the same time we can 
you know, come down to their level, um, depending on what kind of crisis they're in or what's right. going on. We still got to have that safety aspect, but talk more gentle, not that direct approach, mm-hmm. and just humanize what's going on. And I guess that's the best way I can I can describe it is simply that: just be more humane in how we're acting towards individuals because we don't know what they're going through. You know, I don't know. You know, other than the brief introduction that we've had on your past and as well as yours, we don't know what we're dealing with so yeah. or who we're dealing with. And we've got to figure that out and deal with the crisis that we have at the time, but not knowing everything mm-hmm. or what you've had going on in your That'd life. That'd be really hard. Yeah. I mean, it's a first meeting and it's a so, bad meeting. Right. Yeah. So to try to humanize and deal with the situation is difficult. We uh, we tried a, a, a an ex- before the pandemic. We tried a, an experiment with Salt Lake City Police and brought in officers to speak in our residential houses yeah. uh, to our clients. And our clients have a very dim view of, of law officers. And a lot of the questions were about stigmas. It'd, it'd be like um, I remember one, uh, and, and he said, "Okay." I'm covered in tats, and you, and you come up to a situation, and let's say, okay, I'm, a, I'm more clean-cut looking, and I have no tats, and let's say two of us together with a guy with a shaved head and tats all over his face and everything, who are you going to suspect first when you come across some kind of scene where there's trouble? Ooh, that, again, that's hard because even individuals that um, have tats look dirty or disheveled. Yeah. Are they always the ones to worry about? Yeah, no. It could be the individual that sure. is clean cut, and what's he hiding? What, what's his motives? And, and the point of this was to get people to understand that there are certain stigmas that you guys have to get rid of, yes. and that that our clients have to get rid of as well. Right. You know. You know, before the pandemic, if someone walks into a let's say a bank with a mask on. <laughs> they're a bank <laughs> robber. Yeah. Press the button, call it's the cops. True. Now everybody yeah, but now like it's, yeah, you, you go into stores, <laughs> banks, everywhere else with a mask, and nobody thinks anything of it. But it's that same kind of, you know, I use that example, um, but we don't know. We, we don't know what's behind the mask. Uh, we don't know the individual. And so we can't have the stigmas, the bias. Um, uh, you know, unfortunately, we all have some some type of bias, sure. but we've got to put that aside yeah. when we're in this capacity. We've got to try to treat everybody fairly and figure things out before we jump to conclusions of what's going on. This is a program that works. Salt Lake City Police have hired a, a, a whole slew of uh, social workers to go out on calls, yeah. and it'd be nice to have a team of social workers that you couldn't, didn't have to split one guy yes. a million different ways, but it all yeah, boils down yeah. to money. Uh, so if you're ever reading and say for uh, unified police, their budget's determined by uh, the Salt Lake County Council. So if you're, if you're ever reading or hearing about a request for money for something like social workers and you say, no, no, no we need more cops on the street to crack down, think about this, this podcast a little because it, it can make a huge difference. Because you might be the same person who's really upset over the fact that somebody with autism is shot by a police officer uh, during some kind of crisis. If, in, yeah. if there were more, if there were more social workers going out with law enforcement, it would make a huge difference. You guys want to expand, right? Yes, yes, and and it all comes down to funding. Um, 
You know, and that's, again, going back to what we do, and it's not just the areas that we serve. You know, uh, Unified has the contracts with Mill Creek, Holiday, Midvale, Magna, and Kearns, and then the un- unincorporated areas in the canyons. But we don't just stay in our areas. It, it, it truly is the Salt Lake Valley, the greater Salt Lake. And even though Taylorsville is not a city that's with us anymore and Unified, we still go to out sure. to individuals in Taylorsville. We go to West Jordan. Um, we'll go to South Jordan. Yeah. So it's not just our areas. If we're asked to come assist, whether that's from the, the law enforcement agencies, state agencies, we'll go out with adult protective services okay. quite frequently um, to deal with people that are in crisis, mental illness, follow-up, or whatever. But we're not just in our in our cities that we have contract work. And that's, I think that's the biggest misconception is, is it's just unified. It's right. not, it is the greater Salt Everywhere. Lake. Yes. Yeah. How are you asked to come and assist? Is it through unified? Do people contact a phone number? How are you asked? So a vast majority of them are actually through 911. People okay. are in crisis. They don't know what to do any longer. Or they don't know what to do or family members. And so yeah. they'll just call 911 and say he's being violent, he's been out of control, she hasn't slept for days, she yeah. has to take her medications, um, anything like that. But a majority of these are 911 uh, calls for service that we will respond to. Some are referrals from, again, Adult Protective Services, but we also get family members that call all the time yeah. just to people they know in law enforcement. And then it comes to Jody Sampson, our program manager, and we go and see these families. So then it's more informal, um, and so it doesn't always go through 911. But again, most of them do. Okay. Yeah, most of them are just people are in that crisis, crisis, family members, and they need immediate attention, and so it comes through 911. And is it its primary mental health? Yes. Okay. Sometimes drugs involved, but it's going to have both. It's going to have a mental health component. Well, yeah, because they're in that crisis. Because we have family members at time, um, you know, people relapse and they don't know what to do. They feel at a loss. And so I'm wondering what they can do because at times it's kind of people have to go out and there's there's not very many options. And so is this an option for them? This is an option, yes. But then it comes back to the availability. Yes, we have the patrol officers that can respond. They've got the training to do this, or but it's limited training. And then going back to that's a mental health crisis. Mm -hmm. That's important to that individual, but we've got all these other crimes going Mm -hmm. on. And so we've got to get them back on the road to other things. But that's still important. Right. And we don't have enough resources to deal with all the crises that we have. And if they were to call, it doesn't mean that they're going to get arrested. That's a really no. important question for you to answer right. if anybody's listening, because if we have family or a family support group and they feel like they want to call for the safety of, of their loved one, if they call, does that mean they're going to be arrested? No. And even if there is a crime, um, and let me let me back up. Yeah, when I, I say, know it's like a yeah, difficult question. When I say question. no, um, our our goal in those crises are not to um, to do law enforcement. Yeah. You know, we need to deal with the crisis. Now, if there is a crime that has been committed, yeah. okay, is is it enough that rises to the level that they need to be arrested? They need to go to jail. Yeah. Can we do that? Take care of those crimes that are committed in a different way, and that's do a referral 
do a citation in, in lieu of an arrest. Those are the options we have. One thing I want the family members to understand with that is, is especially those individuals that are, have mental illness and they don't take their medications, they don't like how that makes yeah. them feel. Mm-hmm. What the crimes allow us to do is, is go to the court and the court says, okay, we're going to help you manage your, your illness. So we're going to require you to show us that you're going to therapy, show us that you're taking your medications right. and start that uh, maintenance that way. So it's a tool. Again, we don't like to use that. Um, yeah. But the the crimes that have been committed is not our our priority at the time. Again, it will be. It needs to be addressed. Right. Um, but no, they they're not well, always going to be arrested. I mean, I'm a fan of people taking accountability and yes. responsibility, and I feel like an arrest can be an opportunity. See, you were you setting know? him up. I, I was not. To, it's you wanted difficult. him to say no. If you it, call, we're not going to arrest somebody. It's a difficult question, but I know people are going to ask it, and people. It could also prevent people from calling at the same yeah. time, and so it needs to be asked. That's just the thing. No. And people, if they're committing crimes, you also need to take responsibility for it as yes. well. You know, but it's also, that's just the real talk right now, Randall. You know, I'm just, <laughs> I'm I'm just joking. I thought he was very I may get arrested. In that's, the that's why he left the handcuffs out there, so yes. he can take me to the car to arrest me. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> take me in. <laughs> you messed with me on this podcast, and I'm arresting you. And uh, we have about 30 seconds left. And do, you have any, do you have any personal memory of something that stands out in your mind where something has worked really well with what you guys are doing? Oh, geez. There's a lot of cases. And, and even looking back, you've got to take the wins um, because yeah. it's mental illness, it, it, it's, it can consume you. And it can mm-hmm. consume even us as officers as we start to deal with it, just like I'm sure the social workers that we, we work with. But we've got to take the, the wins when we can, those mm-hmm. individuals that we do help. Um, and I, those are the ones I can remember. And I can still remember the ones that don't work and, and it they have the problems, but it's the ones that we're able to really have an impact on those those individuals and those families. So those those are the wins that we've got to remember. We do we do the same yeah. thing at Odyssey. You know, there's a, a a large group of people who don't make it through our program and are back out on the street mm-hmm. and have relapsed. But the ones who do make it, somebody like Rachel, uh, yeah. you know, are wonderful success stories. So. Yeah. Thank you for what you do, Detective Archie Beck from Unified Police, who hopefully, well, hopefully if you meet him in a store, you say hi. Hopefully you don't have to meet him on a police call. But remember that he and his team are there if a call goes out that requires some kind of crisis intervention. And kudos to to the entire department and and Salt Lake County for recognizing there's a need for this. And for police departments to be changing the way they look at dealing with these crises. It's really, it's really great to hear. Thank you for yeah, being here. Thank, thank you. you. Thanks for having Very me. Very much. Thank, thank you for watching another edition of Odyssey House Journals.